0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Joule, the immersion circulator for sous vide by Chef Steps. Order now at chefsteps.com J-O-U-L-E. Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you
0: live on the Heritage Radio
1: Network every Tuesday from, like, well, this time, like, twelve fifteen to, like, yeah, like, one o'clock on the Heritage Radio Network from Roberta's Pizzeria, where Peter?
2: Uh, Brooklyn. <laughs> where in
1: Brooklyn, dude? Oh, at Roberta's. Dude, what's the neighborhood in Brooklyn where we are? Bushwick. Dang. Well, as you can tell, joined by an ever peppy. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Kim, Grand Vizier of the Museum of Food and Drink. Got uh, Dave in the booth. How you doing?
3: What up? Doing good.
1: All right, good. And we have Nastasia of the Hammer Lopez next to me. How you doing? Good. So uh, call in your questions, museum-related perhaps or not, Uh to 718-497-2128. That's 718-497-2128. Uh, so yesterday was the first day in the... Closing week festivities of uh, Booker and Dax, The Bar. And uh, man, I think people had a good time, but man, was it a poop show. We like 86 everything like right away. Like they took the chairs out. So like the bar was three deep. Uh, and uh, it turns out that no, I don't know how to operate the POS system. Like all these oh drinks, just God. like it was just like uh, I think it was good though. People had a good time. We had the '86, a bunch of stuff. Um, but uh, last night we had uh, D came back to you know our manager D Canonis came back uh, as a guest bartender. We had um, Ann Robinson came back. Uh, Jesse Vita came back. Austin Hanley came back and told me an interesting story about. Uh, you will enjoy this, Nastasia. About. Um, Damon Bolte. I
0: would
1: have had him. So I, I I guess I didn't I, I knew it, but I didn't think about Souther Teague who's coming tonight. By the way, so if you come tonight, we have like Nick Bennett, Souther Teague uh, coming uh, tonight to Booker and Dax. Um, who else? Dana Corey. Uh, I Forget who I'm not. I'm, I'm not mentioning a couple of people. I gotta look at Nastasia. Look at the list maybe if she if she feels like it. Um, she doesn't. She doesn't. <laughs> and tomorrow we have David Wondrich and uh, Leo Robachek and uh, Don Lee coming. Uh, to the bar So look out for that uh, mm. But anyway So Austin Says to me Austin says So I was doing uh, Damon's show At Roberta's With Souther Because Souther are co-hosts Oh right? Yeah So he's doing the show And you know Damon Bolte's an identical twin Which you talk about a lot Stasi, You like that fact Whenever you mention Damon Bolte You mention the identical twinness And there are too many Freaking Food and drink Identical twins In the New York City area There's just too many of them It's crazy Right I mean like In other words have you I have not met an identical twin that doesn't have one of the twins working in the food food business? Someone needs to do a study on this. Have you met any identical twins, Peter, that are not in the food business? No. Is it because we only know people in the food business? You know lawyer people. Nastasia, you know like weirdos, weird non food people, right? Do you know any identical twins in that scenario? No. I, I know one. Now think about it, I know one. Medicine and architecture. Not food. Anyway, so Damon Boldy's twin comes in, and apparently everyone in is like, hey, what's up? He totally ignores him, pulls Anastasia, like sour face, and blasts right past him. And then when Damon walks in, everyone's like, Damon, why are you such a jerk, man? He's like, that was my twin. <laughs> that was a good story, right? Good times. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, <sighs> also, turns out, also turns out, going back to Booker and Dax, uh, that the, the the jerks that live above Booker and Dax, like haven't lived there as long as the bar has existed and start complaining at like 11 and smashing things into the floor to tell us to be quiet. Now, I don't know about you, but you don't turn Blow the Whistle down. You know what I mean? If you're playing Blow the Whistle or any one of those other songs and you're mixing drinks and your bar is three deep, the correct response is not turn the music down. The correct response is don't move to New York and live above a bar, moron. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Idiot. Yeah. Who who does that? Like that's what I hate about New Yorkers. Like not New York. really like you just wouldn't move if if you yeah. y- you are not entitled to change the people who already exist around you. You know what I mean? You move into a place. The place is bad because there is. Uh, it's not like it's not like all of a sudden. Okay, look, I've done this a bunch of times, right? I'll move into a place and. The person who lived in my apartment before me is – was like an 85-year-old woman who lived alone and never had any visitors because her kids never came to visit her anymore. She made zero noise her entire life. Like, you know, I don't know. Didn't watch TV, no cable, nothing. No noise, nothing. She dies. We move in with like the kids and me and, you know, the dinner parties, the family dinner and all this stuff and everyone gets mad. And you know what? I kind of understand that, except for you live in New York. Like, you're not entitled to your kind of super quiet privacy nice life. That's why it's New York. Nastasi, what do you think about this? I think, yeah. I mean, like, do you, I mean, like, there's bounds of rationality, but, like, living directly above a bar. Yeah. That you moved into.
2: Did they move in after you were there? Yes. All right, well, then. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Living in the city Trade-offs
2: Well it's
1: not a trade It's like Just like you know Understand what you're dealing with When you move in You know what I mean Like some people Shouldn't live in the city Like apparently These frat weasels Who moved into this like I think there's like 30 of them Living in this apartment ab- <laughs> Going all uh, against frat people But you know what I'm saying There's 30 of them Living in this place above us And then uh, I don't know Whatever Just suck it up You know what Whatever Anyway, Peter, you're on here to push the Museum of Food and Drink.
0: <laughs> he only needs ten. The only reason 10, why I ever come on more. your show.
2: What's that? Yeah.
0: Only ten. So but we more. need it in one day, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, we so we just got... need two cooking issues listeners to donate five thousand each.
2: Yeah, and even beyond that, it's the last chance to get tickets to see the exhibition before it opens to the public. And so it's going on till eight p.m. tomorrow, and we need to re- cross the finish line of eighty thousand dollars by tomorrow. Um, I'm super psyched about the exhibition we're gonna have I mean just to recap we're gonna have the fortune cookie machine we're gonna have tastings we'll be demonstrating some different techniques in Chinese American cuisine we'll have some awesome menus giant wall of takeout boxes um, so, yeah, it's going to be like just you know awesome show. And so get your tickets on uh, chow.mofed.org. And we're
1: going we're gonna to chain Peter to something. You can just pillory him. Like, that's going to be one of the things. Maybe we'll set up a dunk tank with Peter in it. Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, my God, Peter, you should totally do that. Like a Peter Kim dunk tank. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you think we can make... How is
0: that Chinese?
1: I don't know. It has nothing to do with that. It's like part of the little side exhibition. If somebody
2: puts in $10,000, I will set up a dunk tank. You heard it. Will here, you folks. get in it, Dave? Hell no. I will set up a I'll get in a bleeping, dunk tank. Sure, I'll do that. Family show. I said bleeping.
1: Alright. Pretty soon actually we have the non family show from Johnny Walker coming oh. up. I've got to talk about it first. By the way, Nastasia, you'll enjoy this. Uh, the, dry, the name, this Latin name for, for you know the beans with beans. You familiar with it? You're gonna enjoy it. Phaseolus vulgaris. <laughs> you like that? Alright. Let me get to some uh, get to some questions if I was smart enough to pull them up. Okay. Um, This is from Shy. Uh, It is well known that old beans take longer to cook than young beans. Why is that? Well, I thought I knew the answer to this question, and uh, it turns out that I don't know the answer to this question. You know, you think it's just kind of a a moisture thing, but um, that doesn't really explain that doesn 't really i don 't think explain what 's going on. then I did a, an initial search on the internet, and uh, like all, every manufacturer and uh, like council that tries to sell dried beans will tell you if you store the beans too long, they say in quotes they will never soften now I know that 's garbage because you can pressure the heck out of them and soften them. You could add baking soda and soften them, but then I realized I didn't understand... It's not simply that it's drying out. Something else is happening. So I have to... The the short answer is I have to go... um, I have to go look it up. And, you know, I'll have to go do some sort of, uh, you know, a scientific search on the order of... um, Um, you know, dry beans, storage, storage changes. Like, it's always, like, people who have the money for these sorts of studies are always uh, kind of big industrial concerns, and so you always add things like storage, shelf life, dried beans. You try to hit it as, you try to phrase your searches. This is, by the way, anyone who actually wants to find their own info, right, uh, I found out um, from um, Ariel uh, Johnson, who was here uh, a couple weeks ago, that there is a website And I'm sure, you know, all of you guys, all you cool kids out there uh, already know about it. But it's, um, and I don't know, like, how legal slash illegal it is, but I'm going to give you guys uh, this website in case uh, you don't already have it. It's sci, like science, S-C-I dash hub, H-U-B dot C-C. Okay? That's S-C-I dash H-U-B dot C-C. And, um... This website allows you to download uh, any almost any scientific paper that is behind a normal like university firewall. Now, it's not as easy to use as a, a you know university thing because you need uh, a record called the DOI. Now, Uh, What a DOI, uh, I don't actually know what it stands for, but it's a long, long identifier that uniquely identifies a particular uh, article. Okay, so how do you get that? So. Many, many, many of the either the university search engines or even the actual database owners like uh, Wiley or Elsevier or these guys um, will allow you to search and get the abstracts. And oftentimes you can get this identifier in the abstract, cut and paste it into the Sci-Hub page, and boom, the paper pops up. Now, the legality, Yeah, I haven't looked it up. I don't know. What do you think, Peter? If I don't know, is it Okay. Can I, can, I go, can I go like Talmudic on this? If I have no idea whether it's illegal or not, it's okay to use it?
2: You're the lawyer. I think you get one, one free pass. That's my official legal opinion. Do, do I
1: get a lifetime free pass on, the, on using this one thing? Like, in other words, like, I don't know if this is illegal. I'm not going to look it up. Eh. Anyway, it's a fantastic way to go get it. So um, when you are searching for things, in general, the way to find information... Is to think think about your problem and try to cast it in the most industrial light possible. So any sort of uh, thing that you think that Campbell's Soup might care about or anything that you think uh, that, you know, uh, you know, Nabisco might care about because these are the people that that have money to pay for these kinds of studies, and that's in general how uh, I find it. So I've, I will. This week is extremely tough for me because the the bar closing stuff, but I'm going to try to look up more on that because it leads me to another thing. When I realized that I had no idea uh, what was um, going on with the dried beans, it also it led me to uh, a, and also talking to and thinking about. You know, the time that Booker and Dax has been open and every time I've been cooking is a concept of uh, drift. And so and I've been thinking a lot about it uh, recently. So you get drift in your, your whole life. And what, what does that mean? So you have like you come up with a recipe, you come up with a, with a technique. You implement it, you teach it, then that goes on autopilot. And just like a game of telephone when you were a kid, you know, eventually there is drift in that technique and there's drift in the in the end product. And so when you're running a restaurant or when you're running a bar, uh, you know, you have to be you have to set um, things in place to prevent your products, uh, your techniques, your recipes from drifting too far uh, from you know, from where you started. Often, I mean, sometimes drift is good. Sometimes you start with something and the drift actually makes it better. Most of the time, that's not the case. And even if it did make it better, you want to know why and then codify that. So I think, you know, a lot of, um, what I've been thinking about is that that kind of drift and control. And that's, I think a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the Eric Repair story, Nastasia, mm-hmm. where, you know, he has a very specific thing that will never drift, Kraft, Swiss cheese. And so they use that Kraft, Swiss cheese, because that's palette drift. That's about your drift of palettes over time and change, right? And so, kind of locking into uh, one idea to increase consistency. But the same is true, same drift happens in your own mind. So, most of the time, like, I know this is, you know, uh, applies to me uh, especially, or anyone that you know, works on a problem for a small amount of time and then compartmentalizes that and then puts it away, right? And then you tend to think, oh, I solved that problem. And Nastasia, you know this better than anyone. You've heard me say the same dang explanation like a billion times in demo to demo to demo. Yep. The problem is, is that most of the time, like your actual you haven't done enough actual work at that beginning section to actually get the real answer, right? And you only marginally understand what you're talking about when you're actually doing all the hardcore work. So then like two, three, four years later, right, all you have left in your head are the results. And you don't remember any of the caveats to the research that had you come up with those results, typically. So you'll think you have an idea locked down, and in fact, over the years, if you don't revisit it and look back into it again, it turns out you know almost nothing at this point. Uh, and so, uh, you know, trying to, one of the reasons this show is helpful for me personally to do it is that people ask me questions that make me re examine. And Harold McGee is awesome at this stuff, constantly re examining things that you hold. Um, dear or hold as just kind of truths, and re-examining them down to a base level to try to re-understand uh, what you're doing. and Because f- al- almost, almost always, you know, you were wrong about something. Uh, you were wrong about some of your premises or, uh, or something like that. So the, the bean thing got me thinking on that because it was something that, you know, I thought about a long time ago. Oh, yeah, they dry, they dry out as they get older. They get harder to cook. Clearly, there's more going on, and I need to go freaking research that thing. And in fact, almost all the questions this week are of that variety, things that I thought uh, I knew something about, and then I looked into it only marginally, feeling that I could just come back with a quick, snappy doodle answer, and, and it turns out it's a much more complicated
2: problem. I mean, if you leave a dried bean out, like, what humidity level does it get to at the end of the, eventually?
1: Well, that's the thing, right? Let's say you live in, and this is something I don't know, let's say you live in New Orleans, which is, you know... I don't know, not swamp, that's no. overstating it, but it's humid, right? So is it going to equilibrate to, in other words, even in a sealed environment where you're not, uh, where you're not losing a lot of moisture, right? I think the beans, they change over time. There's a, I think there's a structural thing going on, mm-hmm. right? So increased moisture absorption, if it's just moisture, this uh, could be overcome relatively quicker, uh, quickly with a longer cooking time. Or perhaps, let's say, you know, you're a believer in this current no-soak thing. Uh, a soak to increase or to retemper back up. But there's no indication on the dry bean. If that was the case, the dry bean council people would say, if you have some old beans, put like a moistened paper towel in with the old beans for like a couple of weeks and then they'll be good as new again. Because that's
2: how the bean council talks. Uh, have,
1: you, have you met the bean council? <laughs> uh, but that is, in fact, not what they say. I mean, now look, the other thing you have to be very careful of is downloading the new iOS on your phone because it no longer freaking works. I'm trying to reopen the question. Where's what you that? have to be careful of is that The Bean Council has uh, a vested interest in you throwing away your old beans and buying new ones. In reality, though, what they should do is tell you how to fix your old beans because if you fix your old beans and have success, you'd be like, you know what? I actually enjoy cooking dry beans. I will purchase more dry beans. You know what I mean? Where instead, you're like, they tell me I should throw it away. I'm going to get this package of beans. I'm never going to cook it. Then it's going to get too hard. I'm not going to know whether or not it's still good. I'm not going to sit around and try to cook these dried beans. And then they don't soften. And then what? Dinner's ruined? No. And then they throw it away and they never buy dried beans again. See? That's my feeling. Mm-hmm. My feeling is is that if something appears like it's in your best interest, get people to throw away and buy fresh beans. Sometimes it's not in your in your best interest. The best interest maybe is, there's an
2: advantage to it.
1: To what the old beans? Yeah, yeah. You never know. Well, it's like often like we have a question uh, coming up soon on uh, staling, and that you know. So that's that's true. That I, I love stale bread for for other things. We'll we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get to that in in a minute. Uh, about the new iOS, have you downloaded it, Nastasia? I'm
0: not allowed to.
1: Please don't. Like I can't. I, I was at a wedding uh on sunday and i'm like oh and I, and my phone has been pestering me for weeks oh update why do you update you're going to sleep now i could tell can i update now and you're like fine fine jeez jeez you hit it it updates and then it no longer operates like a f- mm. this is why I thought that when Steve Jobs died that I would be free of this sort of like tyranny of of, of, of the uh, updates of, of, uh, yeah, enforced changes to the way that I use uh, wow. my device
2: the so worst I- is like unless you do something it's going to update in 30 seconds
1: yeah right like- so the ghost of Steve Jobs came back and caused me to not get pictures of my friend's wedding because I had gotten used to the fact that I could go shaboom and like take my phone and it turns into a camera instantly I went th- I did that and and it like sprays a bunch of garbage on the top of my screen it's like press a button to continue and then i press the button but i obviously i pressed it too long and Siri's like may i help you I was like well can you take the picture of the you know the bride that i wanted freaking 10 seconds ago and not have it look like i'm texting during the middle of a wedding ceremony by typing on my phone like a lunatic she was like uh i don't understand you dave <laughs> you know what i mean
2: jerks jerks um anyway so uh i heard about that man you what a jerk, man! Texting in the middle of the.
1: I know it. Season. What kind of an what kind of a jerk shows up? It was a small, like, it's a small wedding too. It's like you don't want. It's not you can like wait, man. It's not wait. It's not it's like an man. important moment. Yeah, it's not like the lady die wedding where I'm one of like eight billion people. and No man. one's like you know who's that idiot texting and then they draw a beat on me like the snipers draw a beat on me or something like this. You know what man. I mean? It's.
2: The best thing is it, it wasn't just like it looked like you were texting somebody, but having a really angry text discussion with somebody. Oh yeah,
1: because you know what my face was
2: looking. like. I know like. exactly. What your Every, face everyone was. else is like has this like you know
1: joy and like, and then You're I have this stabbing like
2: stabbing at your phone. Yeah,
1: I've got like I'm trying to I'm trying to use my eyes to drill holes through my telephone.
2: Yeah, yeah, nightmare.
1: Okay, shy second question. Additionally, how uh, and why. What? Why does the starch de-gelatinization, I assume you mean uh, recrystallization in stale bread, cause it to have a chewy texture? And is this similar to moisture loss from warm bread exposed to the air? Whorm. uh Which can also lead to such texture. Many thanks, Shy. No. Uh, so, moist, like, uh, staling is not uh, moisture loss. And again, bread staling is a very—I'm going to do the Trump sniff <laughs> from now on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh staling of bread is not primarily a. David going to jail. <laughs> well, yes, uh, but yes. Anyway, the um, uh, staling is not. A- I mean, I'm sorry. Like, it's not a political show, but that debate was impossible to watch. If you were on either side of the fence, that debate was like so cringeworthy. Right? I mean, weren't you just like Ugh! the whole time? I was like, oh, this is my country. Uh, right? Yeah. Did
2: you watch it, Peter?
1: Yeah. What were you like? Again, like not like don't don't talk about your political side or anything. But what were, how do you feel?
2: No, the whole thing is just, just just painful. I mean, ideally, what you want is just actual debate on the merits of things that matter. You yeah, know, we're beyond
1: that. What we we're way beyond that. We're beyond that. I think. But the thing is, I hate this in between thing. That's like watching, like you know, it's like watching, uh, you know, meet the parents. It's just uncomfortable. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh you know, some of the moments are funny, but it's an uncomfortable funny that makes me want to put my head in a paper bag. You know what I mean? It's like we just need to have like a jello match between it's a, these it's two. It's a
2: joke. I mean it's a it's the kind of thing that people in other countries could point to and say like, yeah, I mean it's, yeah. it's just a total circus.
1: Yeah, yeah. They, and it's it's the kind of thing that like Jon Stewart used to like make fun of other countries and like look at the parliament of blah 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 you know what yeah. I mean? And like look at the fistfight of the parliament. Aren't these people funny? Ha ha ha. Well now it's us. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like, wow. Anyway, so uh, bread staling is not primarily a moisture loss, but – and I remember – so I, I went to my you – know, my wife is very anxious for me to finish, and Nastasia is very anxious for me to finish the second book that I'm supposed to be working on. So I, uh, I was like, how about this, the importance of moisture management? And, and Jen's, <laughs> like, Jen's like, are you an idiot? Or you, what kind of a moron? No one's going to buy a book on moisture management. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, but Nastasia, I mean, uh, I mean Nastasia, because you also had the looks. So I was thinking of you now because Nastasia's giving me the moisture management look, which is very close to the vegan He's face. Giving
0: Peter, the moisture management.
1: <laughs> oh, moisture. Anyway, so I was like, you know, I was telling my wife, I was like, look at, and telling you guys on the air, like. <laughs> Such a huge percentage of cooking problems in the world are moisture management problems. So everyone's like true. why did you know, why is the crust of the meat why is the skin bad? Because you don't know how to handle moisture management. Like, why is it – Why is what's wrong with the bread? You have no understanding of moisture management. Oh. What's wrong with my pizza moisture management? <laughs> I you don't want me?
0: Maria to. I want to get. I want to capture that look on her face. If I tell her. her tell if her, I told my.
1: Yeah. If I told my editor, my yeah, at the publisher at Norton, <laughs> if I was like, Hey Maria, check this out for a book. How about this? The miracle of moisture management. Yeah. But it's all about that. So, like people, like they think that they they think that they can put like an instantaneous crust on the outside of something, and then it's going to be good. No, you haven't removed enough moisture from the crust area to, to get it right. Like, what's wrong with the my fried foods? You haven't managed, like you haven't managed the balance between moist and non moist. Same with potato chips, French fries, like almost anything that isn't mm-hmm. a braise. And even braises have moisture management problems. Cooking cooking beans, cooking starches. Mm-hmm. Like why breads stale in the first place, whether they'll go stale quickly is moisture management in the dough, right? And then how it stales itself is also a ma- matter of moisture management as it goes out. So the miracle of moisture management, it turns out that no one thinks that that will sell. That sells yeah. even less than cocktail books, which, you know, don't <laughs> sell that well. But it, it, you know what I mean?
2: It's like – Then you're you're – your history of writing books will be, liquid intelligence, and then moisture <laughs> management. Um, yeah, the
1: miracle, yeah, the miracle of moisture management. Yeah,
2: that's gonna be on like the ten dollars
1: shelf. Ten dollars shelf. <laughs> Do you remember when borders used to exist and they had the like the three dollar? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was a giant three dollar book about like World yeah, War II yeah, airplanes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could yeah. also
2: get all sentimental, you know, thinking about like why. My face is so tear stricken after our work meetings.
1: It's the the miracle of moisture management. It's me managing your moisture.
2: (laughs) Exactly that. I by
1: the way, people, in meetings, I am the worst. (laughs) I am the worst. I am the most inflexible weasel in in a meeting. Like the thing is, is that we have these meetings at the Museum of Food and Drink where we're talking about the exhibition. And, Let's air it out. And, and, and so, Peter. <laughs> Here comes the mic. So, so, so we're, all, <laughs> we're all sitting around this table, right? We're sitting around this table, and we're trying to figure out how to do the best exhibition given the parameters that we have to work with. And when Peter comes to tell me something that he knows I'm going to disagree with, right? I can tell because here's what, here's what Peter does he walks up, sits down, and goes. <sighs> <laughs> And like deflates like half of his size
3: <laughs>
1: stares down at his like fifty thousand year old MacBook with half the keys missing, and is like, "You know, I can just see it, I can just see the shoulders go down a little bit, and I'm like, "Peter man, I'm not so bad, and then he says something, and in fact, I am yeah. in fact, I am, you know what I mean it's like, I and mean, I'm not e- evil, I'm just not you know
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, there goes the me over <laughs>
1: But like the uh yeah <laughs> moisture management yeah, yeah, yeah. so it, you know it, it works with your colleagues it works with your bread so <laughs> <Exactly>.
2: <laughs> shattering dreams or yeah. shattering crusts yeah I mean, same, same. One the lo other. mismo uh yeah, yeah. so the uh
1: the deal is uh, what do you th- what do you think dave do you think moisture management could be a book um no right no yeah i don't know no what about the miracle of moisture management? I mean, it does sound yeah,
3: miraculous,
1: but, it's, but you know, yeah. it's a tough sell. It's got three M's in a row. What could be bad about three M's in a row?
3: Uh, yeah, everybody loves alliteration.
1: Yeah, except for people. If you open something with the word country, do not spell it with a K, especially if there's a kitchen. You're two-thirds of the way there. No good. <laughs> anyway. Um caller have,
3: on the line if you want to take that next.
1: Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Caller, uh, we'll talk about bread after, uh, after we do the caller. Caller, you're on the air.
3: Hi Dave, this is Jeffrey in uh, Costa Mesa, California. How you doing? How's it going? All right. All right. I'm one of the self-hating Californians. Sweet. So life, life
1: Sweet. is good. Nastasia got um, some blowback on my Twitter account, by the way, uh, about the uh, uh, who is it? Someone said, at Leapers was like, uh, "California hates you too, Nastasia." Strong. <laughs> Give me a pound on that. Not true. Not, not oh, true. nice. All right, go ahead. What do you got for me? Wait, Costa um, Mesa isn't that where they isn't is where the bean I'm place? At the beans. Is that where they grow the beans? Is that where Rancho Gordo, uh, Rancho, uh... uh yeah, Rancho right? Gordo are you talking about? Are, yeah, are they, are they there? Is that where they are? Are you in Beanland? Sorry, I didn't,
3: hear, didn't catch the question.
1: Oh, wait, like you said Costa Mesa, right? Is that where Rancho Gordo is? Is that where the beans are grown? Where is Costa Mesa? Uh,
3: we're like south of Long Beach, just south of Los Angeles on the coast. Maybe.
1: I don't know. All right, go ahead.
3: I don't, I don't believe we'd grow beans, but...
1: No? Yeah,
3: well, you probably grow Oranges somewhere. back in the day, but those are gone now.
1: Really? Why? Because of the citrus greening or just because of economics? Or There's water? Too many people. Too many... Oh. Turns out people are worth more than oranges.
3: No, we're not. That's, that's, <laughs> some financial people seem to think. Ah, yeah. Um, yeah. Even in a drought, it's just pleasant here. It's kind of disgusting.
1: Nice, nice. Uh,
3: yeah. So I'm going to be installing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be installing some uh, put, foot pedal valves.
1: Nice, good, good move.
3: And uh, the TNS brass ones and. Uh, my guys are kind of scratching their head on how to solve the problem. I know you would mentioned before there's a trick in basically allowing the hand uh, cartridge valve to still work at the faucet. So they're, they're trying to figure out how to have the foot pedal valve still work when the cartridge valve on the handle is in the closed position, how to, how to sort of bypass that. All right, so I've I know done, that there's I've, like a T-assembly that we need, but I'm wondering if you can give me some yeah, specifics. So I've
1: done this two ways, and I actually think the way that I did it the first time was better, and I'll tell you both ways. So yeah. um, the, the way I originally did it and the way that I actually recommend is I physically separate out the um, – I separate the foot pedals from the um, – the hand cartridge and I have them mix in the gooseneck. And so what you do there is you get like a the base faucet, right? Which is either going to be wall or deck mounted. And then you actually, um, you, you don't use the weird swivel fitting there. You just literally put, you get all Chrome, Chrome, uh, uh, chrome T-fitting and then uh, chrome nipples. You get to choose the size. And then you screw them together. It was. It's easiest if you're doing uh, wall mount as opposed to deck, right? Because in a wall mount, your sink uh, – the, the flanges on the sink go back to the wall. And then the T can go back to the wall. You have to – and then you right. buy another flange. And you just work out the, the size of the chrome nipple. And what you end up with is a triangular – flange right so you have instead of two flanges going to the wall you have three that go back then on the inside once you mount it up you screw the uh you screw the connector in and then you just go direct on a regular brass fitting you go a t into that third t that goes into your gooseneck and then that goes down with check valves to your foot pedals and now your foot pedals operate completely independently of your uh, foot cartridge. It doesn't matter what's going on. That worked fantastically. On my new one, actually, the foot pedals still work fantastically on this one. On my, on my new one, what I did was I bought a TNS unit that came with uh, a sprayer arm, right? Now, what I did there is I, the problem is most sprayer arms, right, what they do is they sense the uh, pressure uh, and so, if you if you push the spray arm and let water through there, uh, like a flat valve comes down and shuts off the water to the uh, to the regular faucet head, and I don't know if that would work with this. The one that I bought the way it works is, is both the sink head and the sprayer arm can work at the same time. And you have to push mm-hmm. and rotate a valve to actually turn off the, uh, the gooseneck. I hate this system. I hate it because yeah. it pushing and turning is such a hassle. If it was one of those quarter turn cartridges, like that would be good. So what I'm looking to do now, you know, now it's a couple years later is rip off the gooseneck that I have And just screw another gooseneck on there and try to find an actual something that will shut the flow off to the gooseneck that's just a quarter of a turn. And not some sort of push and twist like a childproof cap, which I freaking hate. But the, right. but the way that that one works is very easy on the hookup for the foot pedals because what you do, and that one is deck mounted. So what you do is you just put your deck mount down and that TNS one is designed to have a feed in from the bottom that is the spray arm. So where the spray arm goes in, I think you might have to get an adapter, I forget, but you just screw the T right there and feed feeding into that T – right is the mix from your foot pedals and also the spray arm so it's super easy um it's super easy there because you have that central connector going in but if you're going to use a spray arm which i love the spray arm you need to think of some better way to switch off the uh to switch off the top of the of the the gooseneck um
3: the problem with Could could you see a way that the first option could work in a deck mounted situation
1: it's possible. I didn't research it because I knew I was moving I, – I, I thought I had solved it with the deck mount sink that I bought. But the problem with TNS Brass is that uh, – I mean I, I love their stuff and I, it lasts a long time and you can get all the parts for it. But it's not something in general that you can just walk into a plumbing house and get. It's better now. It's easier. Like on uh, Amazon, I think carries some TNS stuff and Tom dot com. Yeah, a
3: web strong store has some of their.
1: Yeah, and features, KTom. Yeah. Do- the nice thing about KTom, at least it used to be, is uh, I think they're out of Florida. Is that. It used to be a pain in the butt because K Tom had the best prices, and so I would call up TNS and s Brass, and I would say, hey, and I would spend like you know 45 minutes on the phone with them asking about exactly which adapter am I going to use, blah, 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 and then I couldn't just order it from them because they don't do it that way. And then I would call K Tom and be at Tom, put in an order for this, and then they'd ship it out like a, a, a week later. Um, I don't know. I have to look at it and see whether there's some uh, – uh, easy way. Well, it's there are easy ways. In other words, like y- you could they, they make just a flange. You can buy the flange, and then you can put the T in. The problem is is getting it to space nicely because if you're going to go deck and you want to drop that T down, it's going to have to go T and then over. So unless you want it to look completely whacked out nutty, right? Yeah. You're going to have to have a relatively deep deck because it's going to have to go out the back of your faucet and down. So now instead of mounting just a regular, I don't know, that are probably like two inch flange or something like that uh, you know you need like a you need like a two and a half to three inch deck to mount it on like now you're going to need that deck plus however like whatever the closest you can space that t over which is going to be at least an inch so you're adding like at least an inch probably closer to an inch and a half you know to the depth of your deck on the deck mount situation and if you're willing to do that it's it's like super easy the one thing i don't No, is, uh, I don't know. And once you do that, by the way, it's super easy to install the sprayer arm on it because now once you have a third thing going down below the deck, uh, that happens like after the cartridge mixing, then you can, you can tee that into your foot pedals and into a sprayer arm. And if you're doing that right, the sprayer arm functions either with your hand mixers or with your foot pedals. Um, the, the issue is, is that most TNS brass um, uh, shut off, like quarter turn shut offs. This is what I used to have, right? What they do is, is they're designed to exclusively run a, uh, a, a sprayer arm. And most of those situations are in dishwash, uh, pits and in a dishwash pit, you're always using the sprayer arm and you have to tell it, Hey, I want to use the gooseneck. So, and that's the way I used to have it. But if you're okay with the look of that, then it's, it's like very easy because you could just buy, they buy a separate gooseneck that comes up. And it has the, the quarter turn shut off for the gooseneck. You leave that on all the time, so the gooseneck is default on, right? Default and on, yeah. and, and, then, and so you can buy a, a, deck mount, uh, a deck mount faucet without the gooseneck. You buy the add-on gooseneck, and then you have the T that comes uh, out and down. And then you buy the flange there and hook it into your spray arm and your foot pedals, and you should be good, good to go. I actually got used to having kind of the weird industrial chrome-looking faucet thing, and I actually loved it and liked it better than my system. But it's just a matter of mix and matching with all the TNS brass stuff.
3: Okay. Um, I think that's enough to help. Thank you very much. Thank you. Let let us know how it
1: works out. All right. Thanks, Dave. All right. So back to the stale bread. So... um, it's not uh, strictly moisture loss that's happening, right? Uh, it's actually uh, the uh, starch. But that's the thing again, it's more complicated. When I went back to look into it, the research has changed. People have done additional research since the last time I looked at it. But in general, what you're looking at is the starches uh, are recrystallizing to an extent, and the moisture is migrating from uh, the starch sometimes to, to the proteins or into the, into the uh, matrix between where the starch used to be. And, for instance, reheating the bread uh, can cause those things, uh, you know, cause them to reabsorb some moisture, decrystallize, and get good again. Once you do that, usually it turns to garbage uh, uh, quickly afterwards. But yeah, so it's more than just, uh, it's more than just uh, moisture loss. And by the way, the fact that it's a crystallization thing, if you think about it, this is why storing bread in the refrigerator makes you a complete enemy of quality because uh, you're increasing the crystallization rate by lowering the temperature of the bread. That's why when you're freezing bread, you want to freeze bread right away uh, because when you freeze bread, it's the equivalent of – the act of freezing it alone is the equivalent of, of at least a day's worth of just sitting out on your counter, and you want to thaw it relatively rapidly. You want it to be in that – Evil uh, fridge zone for as short a period of time as possible. All right. So before we get kicked off, we should handle uh, some Halloween questions. I'm gonna. Ha- uh, I should have done this one first. and We get the uh, the folks in the chat room on with this, and maybe Nastasia has some idea because Nastasia is the the queen of the Halloween uh, and Christmas. You know what
0: I'm gonna say.
1: Uh, I exactly know what you're gonna say, and that's why I want you to talk about it. Um, this is from Matt. Uh, hi, uh, Cooking Issues crew. I'm looking to make some Halloween-slash-spooky-themed cocktails for Halloween. So two questions. I'm using fresh Concord grapes, but don't really have a way of juicing them and getting the seed out. Any thought on uh, on that without the aid of a juicer, or can I just blend it all and then clear it with some pectinase or whatever? Look, you can blend Concord grapes, but um, it's going it, to—the the seeds get bitter. So, like, uh, if, remember the time that we tried it and it was like, ah, gross, all the seed particles and the thing was just nasty? We used
0: the uh, Santa after
1: that yeah but then like I've, when i've done it with, without the Santa, like i've literally just mashed it like like uh, lucille ball making wine uh back in the i love lucy you know what i mean you mash the hell out of it add your pectinase uh pectinase ultra spl to the mash and then just keep mashing it for a couple of hours and eventually it will kind of liquefy and then you press the stuff out in a sieve to get the juice out i don't just- remember that working very well Well, your yield is not as high as what we got, but it's, uh, you know, it's hard.
3: Those were delicious cocktails we made.
1: Yeah, the other thing to do if you have kids or interns is get them to seed the damn grapes. You know what I mean? Mm You know what I mean? Then you can just blend the stuff. Uh, Those were delicious cocktails, but they were a pain. It was a pain. The Santa didn't crush the seeds, right? It's all a question of, of, of.
0: Yeah, but you lifted the. You jiggered it somehow.
1: Well, yes. But the, the issue with mashing, it's, it's hard. You need a... Ma- mashing is difficult because uh, people want to try to uh, – uh, your, your mash efficiency goes way down as soon as the depth you're mashing in goes uh, deep and as soon as the area that the stuff you're mashing can move to goes wide. So uh, if you have a deep bucket and you put a masher in to try to mash something, then all of the whole Concord grapes just move out of the way of the masher as you push it through the stuff Why down the bottom. W-
0: women call men mashers back in the day?
1: Masher! <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know.
2: I mean, it means like it's like CAD. Do you know what I'm talking about? In it's those like, like
1: cartoons. I thought and we stuff? were talking
2: about Concord grapes. Uh, yeah. you know. I love that. You know,
1: Nastasia. <laughs> I, I appreciate that because yeah, that's, that's like that's, a, that's a an a old Dave school style. reference. Oh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's in old in the school cartoons, and when I was a kid, I was like yeah, that's
1: sure. Do you know how many things are in cartoons <laughs> that you have no idea what they are, and the kids still find them funny? Mm-hmm. Like all the weird, like topical references that nobody. Mm-hmm. Like, do you remember when Yosemite Sam was, uh, remember when Bugs Bunny was supposed to get this guy, Fearless Freep, to do the high diving act? And, and so Yosemite Sam's like, I'll pay you my full best to see the high diving act. I'm going to see the high diving act. Remember that? Well, that's a
2: good impression. Yeah. So, like, he, uh, he's actually making little pistol motions. Yeah, you have to
1: make the pistol motions. So, anyway, so uh, the, so, but there's all sorts of weird topical references in that cartoon. That cartoon was hilarious growing up, but there's no, like, like songs of the time, like Open the Door, Richard. You know that song? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, but it doesn't matter. That stuff's still funny as heck, even though you don't understand, uh, understand the references. Money Unla-
2: tunes are timeless, man. Yeah,
1: unlike, unlike Shakespeare, where someone has to sit there and tell you what all the references are to what's going on in the Shakespeare. You're like, oh, now I get it. That was like a current poem that people read. It's you're because like, he would mash his genitals against females. In, uh, that that is disgusting. Yeah, that is, uh, who would do that? No, 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 not Trump. <laughs> oh! Ooh. Not a political show. Not a political I show, mean,
0: Dave. I th- think we're all on board with who we want,
1: right? Well, not a political show. Not a political show.
0: <laughs> well, we don't uh, want people that want to.
1: Not a political show. Around. All right. <laughs> Mash your genitals. First of all, like no, not like it, they're not out. It's I still but that's even that's so path- it's so pathetic. Imagine like you're like eh, is
2: this good
1: on a crowded train? On a crowded train? Oh, on like, uh, right the subway. That it just seems like a not, like, how is that? See, that kind of thing can't be an attempt at a successful a successful attempt. You're not attempting to actually get someone to go out on a date with you with that kind of a move, huh? No.
2: Like, what are you getting No, at? I mean, but a lot of stuff, like, you know, catcalling and all that. It's not like you actually think the person's going to turn around and be like, hey, you know what? Let's go and get some dinner. <laughs> Want to get a drink? <laughs> yeah, yeah really. Hey, sweet cheeks, like... Well, hello there!
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't really understand. Understand like. So is it really just to show off to your buddies? It's
2: a power move. Yeah, yeah. Just like.
1: Power,
0: but but like. it's not a power move. Or well,
1: where you your buddies on a crowded train.
2: Right. I don't know. Well, no, that's just a power a perv move. move. But like, yeah. you,
1: you can you can you can impose your own will on somebody else. Yeah, or? I think
2: so. I, I don't know. I, I can't even imagine. Masher. But it's yeah. Masher. It's, <laughs> That's disgusting. Was that, was that an
1: urban dictionary no, or was that I a real... That's a sources, yeah. various sources. Various sources. Nastasia's favorite, uh, favorite place to look up her data, various, various sources. sources. Again, back to Looney Tunes. You remember that when the king was trying to get, uh, I think it was Yosemite Sam again, to cook Bugs Bunny, mm-hmm. and he says every, every day the same thing, variety. Remember that? The king wanted and he wanted Hassan Pfeffer as opposed to variety. <laughs> totally meaningless. Huh? Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. And then Yosemite Sam was trying to cook Bugs Bunny.
2: And you need is to Is that where Bugs mantis. Bunny's like sitting back and like it's a hot tub?
1: Hot tub in the Popping pan, bubbly. like a hot tub no. Dude, did they not have Looney Tunes in Illinois? No, no, no.
2: There's I, I there are episodes where Bugs Bunny is like sitting in a cauldron and like chewing on a carrot. Oh yeah, know, yeah, irreverently. No, it's,
1: it's not. Uh, well, maybe it is that one actually. Maybe it is that one. But, but when you say p- like like pop bubbles, I'm thinking of that like song. No,
2: that, I was just re- I was doing a reference to Fat Joe. Yeah. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I moved to Fat Joe from Looney Tunes. But, oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. But.
1: And then what's that song? Uh, pop pop bottles. The other one, the yeah. more recent one. Who sings that one? I don't know. Pop bottles. Uh, I can't. Actually, sing the lyrics to that. Any? I can't find. I can't think of any set of lyrics of that that's appropriate for me to sing.
2: All right. So we went from Concord grapes to genital mashing to uh, Looney Tunes to Fat Joe. All right.
1: Well, let's finish this. Uh, any thoughts for uh, spooky Halloween cocktails? Uh, this is the same question, believe it or not, folks. Uh, the last <laughs> word looks sort of like a witch's brew, but I'm not sure the best way to really make it pop. I could carbonate it, uh, uh, but I'd really want it popping up in your face to seem spooky. Um, the other cocktail I'm thinking of making is something, something somebody made before. Concord grape, maple syrup, lemon juice, bourbon, angostura, egg white, shaken, real frothy, and then two drops of Peychaud's. Oh, not Peychaud's, man. Come on. Just don't, just don't cough syrup in it if you're using Peychaud's. No offense, Peychaud's people, but offense. Uh, it's good in a I don't right. mean to
2: interrupt, but I'm going to interrupt.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's my classic. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, to show vampire teeth marks, all ideas, appreciated things. I like the vampire in the egg foam. That's a good yeah. idea. I mean, Peychaud's, you know, I'm not for it, but you yeah. know, whatever. So... Uh, Okay, if you're going to do a – I mean, everyone's like, oh, this is for kids. Adults freaking love a hunk of dry ice in the punch. Dry
2: ice, I was going to say, yeah, man.
1: Adults freaking love it. And then especially (laughs) – Look at the pizza. There's pizza with greens here. Don't – the people here will – more reports on that next week. Uh, (laughs) When we ask for a pizza with greens, they'll be like, we don't do that. We don't do that. It's going to happen. I guarantee you. Nastasia, how much you want to – you won't bet me. And
0: there's like prosciutto on top. It's like – Oh love that yeah.
1: So listen, when you're doing if you're gonna do a punch with dry ice, make sure you don't uh, put make sure you don't put um, uh, dry ice in anyone's cup for any reason, shape, form, whatever. Uh, activated charcoal black, like mm-hmm. the super powders that people use for health reasons, which I think is crazy, uh, but whatever. Uh but you know uh, that goes in drinks. A lot of people done that, and black drinks are creepy. And if you use enough of it, all your cu- all your customers or guests' teeth will become black, which is also really creepy for them. Um, Garnish with
2: what if you had like uh, cobwebs from like cotton candy or something?
1: And this uh, what?
2: Cotton candy for cobwebs? It would melt, man. That you could melt? put some on top. That's what I mean. Yeah. Uh,
1: don't put silly string in your cocktails. Here's another one. Uh, Nastasia has been and and Nastasia and I don't say the name of the book. I don't want the price Not... to go even higher, <laughs> but. Uh, Nastasia, we turns out Nastasia is obsessed with this. Says she told me about it. I don't remember yeah. that. And then I mentioned it to her. Applehead dolls. So, oh
3: yes, <laughs> as a garnish. Yeah, yes,
1: yeah, applehead yes. dolls. Yeah, applehead, applehead dolls. dolls. So look up the old Vincent Price applehead doll kit. So what you do is you <laughs> That's take the winner. You take an apple. You peel all but the top and the bottom. Leave that intact. Then carve a, like carve a face in it. Right? Soak it in lemon juice a little bit if you want. I don't know why it's going to go brown anyway, but they say to do that. Carve a face in it and then soak it in salt for, um, I don't know, like a salt water for like uh, a day or so. And that's to – I think – I don't know why everyone does that. I don't, some of that is probably just osmotic to pull the water out of the apple and also probably to help keep it from spurling as it, as it dries down and then dry that sucker down. Like stick it on a chopstick or whatever and, or wire and dry it. Uh, or you know, hang it or, what, or stick it up and dry it for a week. If you have a high dehydrator, you can do it quicker. If you buy the Vincent Price, the <laughs> Vincent Price Applehead maker literally is like a case that goes around a 60 watt light bulb and yeah. probably has caused more house fires than any other Vincent Price branded toy in history, of course. And pro- what's
2: the ultimate cocktail, Halloween cocktail?
1: The ultimate Halloween cocktail is to make a wine zombie. Uh, <laughs> and Nastasia should post on her Instagram account wine zombie instructions.
0: That's true. So, Peter, what is your experience with the wine zombie?
2: Um, I basically <laughs> drank kamikazes straight out of the wine zombie, wine not zombie. knowing it was kamikazes, <laughs> and then um, blacked out. Blacked out, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: No. So the way a wine zombie works is you go to your local <laughs> Halloween shop and you buy a, uh, you buy a, a, a zombie yeah, mask. And then you put it – you build like a wire armature. You put a zombie costume over it with hands. And then you uh, just put a, a punch bowl in there. You drill a hole in the bottom and jam a, a rubber tube in. And then you put it on like a circulator or whatever, a pump. Then you add all of your cocktail to that uh, bucket. And then the tube out of the circulator or pump, whatever, goes into the mouth of the uh, of the zombie mask that I guess you put it over a mannequin head, right? A styrofoam head, yep. and then dumps into the bowl. So it's just a zombie puking, and I think for this a red cocktail is appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Puking zombie blood cocktail punch into, and you can have like a hunk of dry ice in the punch bowl to keep it cold as it's circling, and so he's puking into a frothy like steamy zombie thing and and the zombie
2: later you're puking into a
1: yeah now nastasia (laughs) nastasia you know uh believe it or not even though even though she is sometimes a just get her done enemy of quality it's good enough kind of a person that's what this was no but (laughs) you went full on and you did you did a a standing wine zombie you did did a santa and then and zombie Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And but but if you your well, first wine the your first wine zombie out the gate, I recommend doing a a, a bust only zombie yeah, <laughs> that you can you know put on a tabletop like a tabletop mounted zombie. But if you want to go full uh, Nastasia and Piper, shout out to Piper. Christian he Thomas.
0: said he gave up all IP on that. So. so
1: well, you still have to give him credit for okay. working. You don't have to give him money, yeah, but they're... you have to give him credit. Mm-hmm. So if you need plans, Nastasia should sell kit plans for wine zombies because. Uh, uh, it's it's wine zombie year and then the the good thing is is that with a very small amount of repurposing you can do what nastasia also did at the del posto party which is the puking santa where santa's puking up mold uh, and that was a hot one that's very good like a hot like a mold uh, mold wine you did a mold wine right yeah. Yeah. like a glug like a like a santa puking up a glug and nastasia again took it one level further actually recorded uh her friend phil bravo like making santa comments like too many cookies, one, and then like puking up the mull wine. You know what I mean? Or My like best work with Dave.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the days.
1: Oh, now you're making me think of the Archie Bunker song. That's such a good show. On the fan, yeah. got uh, yeah.
2: anyway. wrap it up, Dave. All
1: right. So listen, I have some questions I didn't get to. Uh, they are on zucchini pieces. Uh, the, uh, I don't see who sent that in, but it's, uh, it's about zucchini residue and sticking. And again, much more complicated than I thought. You ever – remember I've said this on the air a bunch of times. When you when you skin pumpkins, you get that weird oozy latex that like causes that disgusting skin to form on, on top of your already disgusting skin. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it turns out that there are these crazy exudates in cucurbits and, and zucchini – Cucumber, uh, pumpkin, all cucurbits, and some have it more than others, these weird exudates, and so I'm going to look into that because I think that's an interesting uh, uh, subject, and I also have to get next week to um, ooh replicating uh, other cooks' dishes and when it's okay, when it's a rip. Uh, and we have a question on some high-tech equipment uh, from Simone in Montreal we're going to get to next week. What do you want, Peter?
2: And go what? to Chow, chow.mofad.org and get your tickets to see Chow, the Making of Chinese American Cuisine. And then see Dave, me, maybe Stas? I don't know if she'll be there. Because if you don't, give me, the, yes, give,
1: give me the give me the moisture management, Peter, if, if we don't make if, it.
2: If you don't, then MoFad oh, oh, is just going to be in so much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <yeah, yeah>. No, <laughs> we'd appreciate the support. So it, it starts at Thirty bucks and up, you can come and see the exhibition. So get out there, chow.mofet.org. Thanks. Cooking issues.
1: Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradio network.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network.